Our second scripture lesson this morning comes from the book of the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2, beginning at verse 43. Listen now for the word of God. Awe came upon everyone, because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This morning in the liturgical calendar of the church, we are celebrating Trinity Sunday when we lift up the most foundational doctrine of the Christian church. It is the Sunday that marks the boundary between the liturgical season of Eastertide and Pentecost to what the church calls ordinary time. Today we have on white pyramids and stoles, next Sunday the color changes to green and will remain so until the last Sunday in the liturgical year in November, Christ the King Sunday. When Trinity Sunday rolls around every June, there is often a collective whining session among preachers for a number of reasons. First of all, this particular Sunday is one of the only times in the church year when we are asked to talk about a doctrine of the church. The scripture readings in the lectionary usually reflect the stories of creation or passages that use the Trinitarian language of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There is not a story to grab hold of exactly, which usually makes preaching a little easier. The word Trinity never appears in scripture, though the concept is there in the language of Jesus who talks to his father and about his father, calls himself the son and promises the gift of the Holy Spirit. But on this Sunday, we celebrate a doctrine that describes the very essence of who God is, that God is one, in three distinct but still united persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Today, we celebrate a doctrine that took the church some 300 years of debate and argument and discussion among the most learned theologians of the early church to flesh out in written theologies and creeds. Those 300 years were filled with argument and accusations of heresy from one side or the other, as people of faith struggle to formulate a doctrine based on the language of Jesus and of Paul and their own lived experience of relating to God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Some people labeled heretics even died as a result of those debates and arguments about the Trinity. We preachers tend to whine and wallow in angst because we think we are supposed to climb up into our pulpits and explain the Trinity to our congregations in 15 minutes, which of course is a ridiculous notion. Today we celebrate the greatest of all mysteries. Theologian Justo Gonzalez has written, the Trinity is a mystery, not a puzzle. You try to solve the puzzle but you stand in awe of the mystery. 
So the collective whine you hear from preachers on this day arises from the realization that there is very little we can say from the pulpit in the time span of a sermon that will help you understand a mystery it took 300 years at least to create, to think through, and that we do not yet fully grasp ourselves. We believe in the Trinity, we trust in the Trinity, we stake our lives on the Trinity, but we do not now, nor will we ever, this side of heaven, fully understand it. To quote the singer Iris Dement, I choose to let the mystery be. So today, I am going to try to give a small glimpse into one way of talking about the Trinity that has been helpful to my own understanding over the years. Some of those early Christian theologians who stood in awe before the mystery of the Trinity in their attempts to understand the nature of God as three in one and one in three latched onto a word taken from Greek theater. Prepare yourselves, I am going to use a Greek word today, even though I am not Bill Carl. <laughs> the word some grasp hold of is the word perichoresis. Peri means around. It is the word from which we get our word perimeter. And choresis is the root form of the word from which we get our word choreography. And it means dance. The nature of God as Trinity is like a circular dance, some of these theologians suggested. God is a flowing, dynamic, swirling movement between these three persons of the Trinity, a constant giving and receiving of love between and among the three persons of the Trinity, one for another. This divine dance is a fluid movement of equals. The Father sends the Son to live among us. The Son returns to the Father, and together they send the Spirit, who is both with us and among us and within us, but also still within the intimate community of the Trinity. The love moves between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in a constant flow in this eternal divine dance. The passage from Proverbs 8 this morning reminds us that even before the creation came into being, God was not alone or lonely. God has always existed in the community of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, this community of love and dynamic relationship. The creation did not come into being. Human beings and each one of us did not come into being because God was lonely and needed us in order to have relationship. God was already in relationship as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, deeply and completely fulfilled in that community of self-giving love. The whole of creation and each one of us came into being because the love of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, not only flowed between and among the Trinity, but was so great and vast that it overflowed out of that fullness and exploded out in vibrant creation. We were made from love for love. From the very beginning, the love of God was there, swirling in this circular dance of the Trinity. And eventually, that love that is the very nature of God burst forth into vibrant, joyful, beautiful creation. 
And then God invited that creation to join in this eternal dance. Now, if all of this seems a little strange to you, and the language seems strange, maybe even heretical to some of you, I don't know, I will tell you that even the venerable apologist for the Christian faith, C.S. Lewis, can't get much more orthodox than that in some ways, wrote about the Trinity using this image of the dance. He wrote, in Christianity, God is not a static thing, but a dynamic, pulsating activity, a life, almost a kind of drama, almost, if you will not think me irreverent, a kind of dance. The whole dance or drama or pattern of this three-personal life is to be played out in each one of us. Each one of us has got to enter the pattern, take his place in the dance. There is no other way to the happiness for which we were made. Scripture assures us that this God in three persons was present at the beginning, even before the beginning. In the creation story in Genesis chapter 1, God says, let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness. Do you hear the plural there? In the Gospel of John chapter 1, we hear, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him, not one thing came into being. In the book of Revelation, we are promised that the Trinity will stand with us also at the end. In the beginning, at the end, and for all the time in between, we stand in the midst of this circular dance of love that flows from God to us and to the whole creation and back again. So what does all of this mean for us? As C.S. Lewis said, each one of us is invited to join in the dance. Only then will we know the fullness of the joy for which we were made. God is always beckoning us to join the dance. Just as God in God's very nature is a community of love, joy, and deep and mutual relationship, we as the church are called to live out our faith in a community of love, joy, and deep mutual relationship with one another, with the world God created and made and loves, and with our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let's be honest. It is possible to worship God all by yourself. It is possible to pray alone, to read and study the scripture and theology alone, to sing hymns alone, to serve others alone. But we were made in the image of God, who is never alone, but is always in relationship, always in community within the circular dance of the Trinity. We are made for relationship. We are made for community. One of the famous icons of the Holy Trinity is from the 15th century. It depicts the three persons of the Trinity at table together. Their faces are identical, and they are seated in identical positions. There are some differences in their clothing to distinguish one from the other. Their figures form a semicircle, but one end of the circle is open. 
There is an empty place at the table, as if inviting the one who is looking at the icon to enter into the circle, to take your place in the dance. It is for this community of love and mutual relationship we were created. The good news is that we do not have to understand the Trinity fully to enter the dance, to be in relationship to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We simply have to trust in the God of our lives in all of the many and varied ways we experience God. We simply have to choose to step into the long line of those who have chosen to join the dance over all the centuries of the Christian story. The passage from Acts this morning tells the story of the very earliest church just after the Holy Spirit came upon them at Pentecost. We heard that story last week. They did not yet have a fully formed theology of the doctrine of the Trinity, but they had a lived experience of a relationship with God the Father throughout all the centuries of Israel's life with Yahweh. They had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and they believed him to be the Messiah, the Son of God, their Lord and Savior. And they had chosen to follow him and to give their lives to witnessing to his gospel. And they had a very real and personal experience with the Holy Spirit coming upon them as fire and wind, filling them up with courage and passion. This one who spurred them on to give, to give them energy to live as the body of Christ in the world. They did not understand the Trinity fully, but they made the choice to join the dance, to live an intimate relationship with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and to form a vibrant, loving community of people transformed by their relationship with God and each other and offering this new way of life to the world. The passage tells us about the quality of their life with one another, this quality of mutual self-giving love. And the passage tells us that others were so captivated by this life they were living, this community they were forming, that thousands upon thousands decided to join the dance. One of the reasons the pandemic was so difficult for us in the church is that it forced us into isolation. It forced us away from our community. We did what we could, providing worship online, delivering care packages on front porches, making phone calls, texting each other, sending notes to each other. But the pain of being isolated from this embodied community of love and fellowship, of worship and learning, of mutual care and concern, of serving, was hard to bear. It is why we feel such joy at being back together in person. We know we were created to join the dance together. Every time you come into this sanctuary and sit and stand next to one another in the pews, raising your voices in prayer and song and praise, you join in the dance. Every time you come to a Sunday school class or a Bible study or a book group and learn more about the life of faith and the nature of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you join in the dance. 
Every time you bring your children to an, acti an activity at the church or the youth join together in fellowship or study or worship, you join in the dance. Every time you invite a friend or someone in the neighborhood around the church to join us for worship, learning, or service, you join in the dance and you invite others to join in the dance as well. Because God does not want anyone to feel like they are a wallflower in this dance, everyone is welcome. Everyone is included. Everyone is loved. Every time you serve alongside church members at First Light or Habitat or by feeding our neighbors through the blessing boxes or the buddy bags, every time you tutor a child in stare as a part of our church or volunteer at the summer learning program, you join in the dance. Every time you pray along with others for our members who are struggling, sick, grieving, or rejoicing, every time you send a note, drop off a meal, knit a prayer shawl, stand at the hospital bed of a fellow member, embrace a grieving church member, host a grace group in your home, or a dinners for eight in your home, or attend such a group, or come to an IPC Connect event for fellowship, every time you join in the dance. The choir members raising their beautiful voices in praise of God in churches around France and our members on the, Mex on the Mexico mission team working alongside the people of Chiapas on the construction of a church and laughing and playing and worshiping with them. All of them have joined in the dance. Every gift you have given to help sustain our sister church in Ukraine, who are the hands, feet, and face of Christ and the love of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in that war-torn, suffering nation, every prayer you lift on their behalf, you join in the dance. This divine dance is a dance of self-giving love and of deep community, and God calls the church to join in the dance every single day patterning our own steps after the choreography of God, a choreography of love, grace, mercy, forgiveness and reconciliation, unity in the midst of our diversity, bold courage, transformation, hope, joy, redemption, and resurrection to new life. In May, at the monthly Beer and Hymns gathering at the Iron City Grill, at the end of the evening, as the band played When the Saints Go Marching In, a spontaneous dance erupted. Yes, even among the frozen, chosen Presbyterians, a conga line of sorts formed, and first one person and then another rose up from their tables and began to dance around the room. I was not able to be there that night, but I have seen a video, so I know that it is true and it actually happened. Presbyterians actually danced. The joy of the moment took hold and the dance began. Some might have passed by the lighted windows that night on the street of Birmingham outside of the Iron City Grill and wondered what in the world was going on inside. But I will tell you what I believe. I believe that God swirling in that circle dance of the Trinity, with love and joy flowing out of every part of God's being. God smiled that night. 
I believe that God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, holding hands in their own circle dance, but always leaving one side of the circle open with hands beckoning to each one of us and to the whole of creation to join in, that God rejoiced as some of his children joyfully joined in the dance. You don't have to dance well. You don't have to know all the steps. You just have to be willing to be caught up in the flow, carried on the wave of love and joy, and let God lead you as you join in the dance within these walls and out there in the world. My friends, if we listen, we will hear God asking each one of us this morning, may I have this dance? God is asking Independent Presbyterian Church as a whole this morning, may I have this dance? God is here with one side of the circle opening, open, holding out a beckoning hand because he loves us. He desires to be in relationship with us. And the party is not complete without every one of us. He is asking, may I have this dance? The next step is ours. Thanks be to God. Amen. <laughs>